I thought Bill Belichick respected Asante the most. Other than Randy Shannon in college, then Bill Belichick. I think he was willing to give Asante that. I think if that opportunity had to continue, I think we would have saw a lot of great things. That, that wonderful call I got of saying, hey, Dad, I had a great day of practice. Got in two fights today. <laughs> <laughs> while, I, while I have the two of you, I want to tell you how, uh, how it warms my heart to see the relationship that the, you two have, father and son, and the respect you show for one another and the interaction. It's, it's truly special. And, and uh, you know, I just wanted to say that out loud. Monday, April 11th, COVID is no longer ravaging and rampaging through the country, although the Omicron number two seems to be having a bit of a resurgence. The topic of this podcast is overcoming adversity and really the the mind of a champion. During the worst days of COVID, I recorded on Father's Day with two superb athletes. The first, uh, Asante Cleveland, a former NFL tight end, and Lindsey Dershoop, an Olympic gold medalist. My interest was, what is it? Is it nature or nurture that leads these individuals to become athletes at the top of their game? Since that podcast, I've had the opportunity to speak with both sets of parents, and the first conversation of which you'll hear today is with the parents of Asante Cleveland. The episode with Lindsay's parents will take place at a future date. So what we wanted to look at here is, in the face of extreme challenge, how is it that one goes on to succeed. So in Asante's case, uh, both he and his father wanted to play basketball, college basketball, and each went on to play college football and then to the NFL. I wanted to know, was Asante born with it? Did they teach him to love sport or what the combination was? So we'll go through that. And in Asante's specific case, what really impressed me about him is he had a career-ending injury in his mid-20s. He'd played for the Patriots, a Super Bowl team, and overnight the career was over. Yet he harbored no bitterness, and you know when I met him, he was on the mend and had an extremely positive attitude, and I just found that to be inspiring, and I figured that you know, as I was going through a career transition myself, if this young man could have given up a promising NFL career with the best of the best, I certainly could manage a career transition. So with that in mind, enjoy the episode. Uh, If you're so inclined, please comment and like and share the episode, please. All right. Thank you. What year was Asante born, and where Asante, were you at that time? Asante was born in 1992, uh, March 21st. 
at about 1.30 in the morning. And where were you living at that point? Uh, living in uh, Sacramento, California. So you'd been in Los Angeles. Uh, well, you grew up in Oakland, is that right? I grew up in Oakland. Um, uh, when I became a parole agent, I was sent to Los Angeles. I was hoping for the Bay Area, but I was sent to Los Angeles, and that was a blessing in disguise. And that was because had I gone to Oakland, I would have been arresting people that I knew and grew up with. Uh, going to Los Angeles, I didn't know anyone. Tell me a little about, uh, you know, what, I, what I'd like to hear from you is, and, and we'll go back through, you know, your career as we get a little further in, but uh, when in his life did sports become important? And did he always know he wanted to play football or were there other sports he was interested in? Well, there's something I need to share with you about his birth. Uh, Santi mm, was please. born uh, through uh, an emergency C-section. Four hours later or less, uh, they did the circumcision. And that was fast. I, mean, uh, I didn't let him out of my sight. So uh, I went with him to do the circumcision. And the doctor, after 25 years of doing this, looked back at me and asked me who I was. I said, well, I'm that kid's father. And Santi was the only black child in there. And he goes, in 25 years, I've never seen a father watch a circumcision. He goes, but okay. And um, let me just share with you, it's brutal. Well, yes. So I, I'm, I'm sure you know in the in the Jewish and the Hebrew tradition, it's actually a ceremony, and yes. the family and rabbi and the like are there, and it doesn't happen hours later. It happens, you know, early in the child's life, but not that quickly. And the only reason I bring this up when you mention about Asante's athletic qualities is this: well, when they did Asante. Asante did something that the doctor said he had never seen a child do less than six hours old. And that was, you know, they strapped them down and they strapped their arms down. They strapped their legs down with their legs open, but the really, really strong Velcro. And the first time they cut Asante, Asante broke out of the Velcro with his legs. Wow. And he goes, I've never seen a child do that before. So he put it down. Well, maybe we didn't do it tight enough. Okay, so they really put it down tight on him. And then he goes down the row and he cuts the, the other side of the all the babies and they're hollering. And, they, and when they cut Asante, he broke out with both legs. And the doctor said, I have never seen a kid this early have legs that strong. He goes, I've never had a kid break out of these, uh, these Delco straps ever. So wow. that let me know that, Hmm. Okay. Um, there, there's something about him. And then I'm a avid reader and I like listening to uh, NPR and I listened to a program on NPR that talked about if you want your 
your young child to be more athletic. And I think this was a Swedish study they had done. They found that children who are massaged have more athletic prowess later in life than children that don't get massaged. So as a baby, I constantly gave him massages, back massages, arms, legs, foot massage, and um, that that later that later haunted me because when he got in high school before a game or something, uh, <laughs> I'd walk by his room. He'd go, uh, uh, "Dad," I go, "Yeah, uh, can I get a massage?" Okay, so I asked you a question about when you knew that he, you know, had it, right? Or when he was going to be an athlete. Yeah, two two incidents. Uh, one, uh, probably between three and four, and then definitely when he was four years old. We used to play a game in the house called um, Big, Kahuna, Big Kahuna with a Nerf ball. And we had a, a, a basketball hoop over uh, the closet and he and I would play a game and of course I was big kahuna and uh, I, I would always make the games close and then of course you want to lose to your son <laughs> and I would go over the far furthest corner of the room with my back turned and I would throw up some wild shot and I'll be damned if it would go in and <laughs> I'm trying to lose, and he would march up those stairs, and he would sit in his room and contemplate, and then he would come back down those stairs. Okay, all right, I'm ready to play, and so that's how he became competitive, but when I knew was there was a neighbor that uh, used to play uh, street hockey. Oh, yeah, and I played street they, hockey, they, yeah, with the orange ball or the orange puck. Yeah, and they used to have uh, online use online skating, and they gave Asante a pair of online skates, and Asante didn't know how to skate, so I watched him on a, a cement pad in the backyard learn how to skate on his own and turn and skate backwards. And he fell so many times, it hurt my coccyx. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but he yeah. didn't quit. And I would say a month later, Asante was out skating as well as the adults, out playing uh, street hockey. At home? Uh, at four years old. Wow. Yeah. But. It was his determination for all those falls. Had I fell that many times, I may have said, hey, listen, maybe this isn't my sport. But uh, he continued on the falling, did not deter him. So I realized that he had a stick to in him. Uh, that, so that, uh, was, that was obviously innate. Yes. And the story yes. you told of, of at birth, you know, the, the situation there, breaking free from the restraints. You know, that, that clearly wasn't learned, right? He was six hours old, no, that, four hours old, that, right? That was an eight. 
And he's always had very strong legs. Mm-hmm. So, and then, legs. then as he, you know, I presume as he grew and and you know actually developed agility and the like, given that you have a background as an athlete, you taught him the various sports and games, or at least played and encouraged, and he was a natural. Yes and no. Mm. Um, my dream was always to be able to play a pickup game or three-on-three or or Mm -hmm. four-on-four game with my son in the game. Mm. And I was a very good athlete throughout the years. Uh, I probably, last time I dunked on somebody, I was probably 40, anywhere between 45 and 47. Wow. So when we would when we would go to the gym, um, Asante would resign himself to go into the computer room, and I, I I played in basketball leagues and you know I played. When I finally got him out on the court, as long as I let him shoot and just kept throwing him the ball, oh he would he would be involved. But the minute I started taking jump shots and sinking long jump shots, he would lose interest and want to walk off the court. So what does that so, say to you as a, as a professional? What does that say to you? That, that told me that at some point, he developed a competitive edge, but it was competing against me. So I realized if I wanted him to to reach his apex as an athlete, I had to die, meaning Hmm. I caught on quickly to start throwing him the ball and be the feeder just like I did for my brother. Hmm. And that worked and he got more and more interested. The other thing that really can be painful to a father to learn who's someone who's been there and done that. And then to have to pivot and be smart enough to see what the problem is. Um, I met a guy and his name uh, was Osama Deem. But when I looked him up, his name was Billy, his former name was Billy Tyndall. Billy Tyndall was one of the best basketball players in the country at one time. He went to UMass and Mm -hmm. he was uh, right before Dr. J. Uh, He's about six, seven. He's an old, much older man now. He's older than I. And uh, what I did, things that I knew I could teach Asante, but sometimes you can teach your son and he won't listen. So realizing that, I had um, Assam come to Sacramento and work Asante out at least once a week. And Asante picked up the game even better than things that I knew how to tell him, but sometimes it's better having someone else tell him. Right. And he'll, he'll listen better. So that's how I handled it. So how old is he at that point? He was probably 15, 16 at that point. And 
by this point, I presume he started to have some speed and some skills, and now you're beginning to impart wisdom, as you just described. Uh, yes, uh, and also off-season workouts or off-time workouts. If 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 a kid is going to be good, uh, you can't make a kid be good. It has to be in him to want to be good, which means that anybody can practice uh, when the team practices and you're getting accolades. But the real stars are the ones that practice when there's nobody patting them on the back. Yeah. So so let's talk about that, because the, the theme of overcoming adversity, right, it, that that fits right in here. And so you're, you're building a, a I'll call it a training regimen, but it, it's mind and body. Right. And you've now sure. seen that he wants it. And you're building that into the the course, correct? Right. And talk to me about just quickly getting getting to college and then kind of how that progressed and and you know what were the you know what was the big game in college or, or when did you know that he really had it? Uh, I knew he really had it when I went to his first practice at uh, at the University of Miami. Um, it was, uh, uh, you know, the people really turn out and uh, they they work them out in the morning and then they have a scrimmage. And I was absolutely amazed at his ability, at what he was doing on the college level. Because the reason I went there was because Asante was supposed to go to to Washington State. He was signed. To, he was about to be signed, sealed, and delivered. And at the last minute, uh, he and uh, Eddie Ralph, a good friend of his, uh, put his highlight reel on YouTube. Hmm. And University of Miami was about to play Wisconsin in a bowl game. And you know the coaches are up all night. And uh, Randy Shannon, the head coach of uh, the Miami Hurricanes, watched Asante's highlight reel at 2 o'clock in the morning. By 2.30 in the morning, he had all of his coaches come in and watch the highlight reel. They had already recruited and signed all their tight ends. They weren't looking for any tight ends. When they saw Asante's uh, highlight reel, they made the statement that this guy possesses better qualities than any tight end we have today. Let's offer him a scholarship. And so I got a call Sunday morning. Hey, you know, the U wants to offer Asante a scholarship. And, uh, you know, my response was, listen, uh, he's going to Washington State. When I went to work the next day, Randy Shannon, the head coach, called me at work. And uh, he said, hey, we saw your son's film, and we were really impressed. And uh, we wanted to know if maybe he wanted to take a trip to, um, to Miami. And I promptly said no. And he was stunned because no, no one said no to Randy Shannon. Right. Uh, and... He goes, no, and then I decided, let me help him out. I said, listen, my son's traveled halfway around the world, stayed in some of the nicest hotels 
available. So if all your ask, if all your offering is a trip to Miami and a stay in a nice hotel room, he's not interested. His education is already going to be taken care of at Washington State, and that's what we're interested in: that he get an education. Okay, and I never thought the pros or anything, but education. And then Randy Shannon said, and so then I said, are you offering him a scholarship? And Randy said, yes, I'm offering him a scholarship right now. I said, okay, put it in writing. He goes, you'll have a letter in three days. I said, okay, now we can talk about a visit. And that's how it started with Randy Shannon. So I go to his first practice and he there's a picture that he'll have to show you where he goes up and there's four people guarding him. He jumps up over them, catches the ball. The three stooges all fall down behind him and he goes off and he runs his first touchdown. And after that, he was inundated with reporters and, and people trying to interview him. So that's when I realized, I was wondering, did I put a pigeon in an eagle's nest? And I realized, no, I put a bird of prey in an eagle's nest. Now, at this point, though, you said you weren't thinking the pros. So truly, given that you'd been there and now you've seen this, you're not thinking in the back of your mind or in the front of your mind even, you know, he just might make it? Well, uh, after that practice, uh, some of the veteran people that were there, some of the parents, start telling me, hey, listen, your son's going to be a first-round draft choice. And I will say that had Randy Shannon stayed at the University of Miami, because he had just signed a four-year contract, I truly believe Asante would have been a first-round draft choice, uh, or first or second-round draft choice. Um, they At the end of the season, they fired Randy Shannon, and they brought in a used car salesman, Al Golden. Mm-hmm. And if there's any magic that I think I worked with my son was with Al Golden, because for three years, Al Golden refused to have a conversation with me. He avoided it at every, and I traveled with it at every month. He refused to have a conversation with me. Uh, because he thought I was going to p- complain about how come you're not playing my son. And I'm not that kind of dad. If you're not playing him, hey, you're not playing him. Um, but I saw what he was doing to my son. And um, I've seen coaches break players like that before. So... I did things to make sure my son didn't break. And when I explained it to him, uh, he got it. And quickly says, I, you know, I was really upset when I got put on the practice squad, but I realized that they did me a great favor because I got a chance to play against arguably the number one defense in the country. Now, that line is called petting the lion because we have a rule around here that when you find your head in the lion's mouth, the first rule of thumb is don't move. The second rule of thumb is at some point, 
reach up and pet the lion. So that was him petting the lion by saying arguably the uh, the number one defense in the country. And I learned that I can learn to be better by this, uh, by in this practice situation. This was done to help me. And they put him back uh, and started training Thank you, me. Coach, for having the wisdom to put me on the uh, taxi squad. Absolutely. And then uh, the other part of that was now that you're back, here's your new plan. Mm-hmm. Since we know he's stupid, (laughs) if he's he's stupid enough to put you in the game, then you be smart enough to use that opportunity. And every play that you're involved in, make it a highlight reel. Um, Let's talk about injury for a minute. So... Asante was injured in college, similar injury to what you had, correct? Right. And what, well, that happened to him in the pros, but yeah. but did he injure uh, he, in college? Uh, he had a shell, a labrum, uh, uh, his shoulder in college. Oh, I knew there was. Some. Let's talk about what goes through your head when he gets injured in college. Well, must add flashback, you know. Uh, no, they picked the right time to um, to repair it. Uh, the part he couldn't control is uh, that the university would fire Randy Shannon. Had Randy Shannon stayed, what the U would have had were two great tight ends, uh, Clive Walford and Asante Cleveland. Um, and um, uh, Al Golden hurt and helped two players. Now, this will, this will sound different. He hurt, um, he hurt Clive Walford. And I, I love Clive. Clive was one of Asante's roommates. Okay, I love the kid, all right? He uh, got more passes than any... Uh, uh, tight end uh, the U has ever had, which lets me know that they don't really grow much. Um, but uh, Clive left there as a third-round draft choice and went to the um, uh, to the Oakland Raiders. Now, why I say he hurt Clive is because I'm not going to say Clive was aware of the treatment Asante was getting but he certainly benefited from it by Clive would go out and purposely, or he would miss a block or miss a pass that he should have got and just come running off the field. And there was no discipline or no repercussion from it. Okay. Um, Where uh, there was no, you know, you miss, miss passes like that. A coach might say, no, you just stand here for a quarter. He got and put somebody else in for it. He got none of that. No matter what he did, he was going to play. Uh, And how that hurt him in Oakland, Oakland didn't play that. You know, you missed that pass and come off, and then I think uh, uh, he got into a row with one of his coaches and tried to fight his position coach. Well, that's not a way to stay in the league long. 
So now, how he helped Asante, Asante constantly tried to get this guy's attention. I mean, the coach wouldn't even speak to Asante, okay? Wouldn't speak to him. Uh, would uh, say things through other people, like, well, you know, uh, get tough or something, you know, but wouldn't speak to him. And the only thing I would have shared with the coach not whether you're playing my son or not, but at least acknowledge his presence. That's as far as I would have gone. Um, but what it made Asante do was learn how to work harder for any kind of recognition. That to really put your head down and work harder. Now, where that really helped him is when he went to the Patriots. And he never felt more wanted than having spent a year with um, with Oakland and uh, Belichick traded for him because Belichick <clears throat> actually tried to get him from San Francisco the first time, but Belichick wasn't offering any money. San Francisco was, hey, he took the money. That's right. But Belichick was after him all along. So he felt wanted. So what Al Golden did for Asante was teach him how um, to work harder. It's a game that it can be over with a play. Right. And what about that feeling when he turned Belichick down to go to the 49ers? What was that? Just that, that mind game. Amongst the coaches. Well, see, that you'd been there. That was you knew what that was about. Well, see, ever since Asante was a junior, my mantra to him was that was when um, uh, Hernandez, who's the kid who got a, a convicted of murder, who was a tight end for the Patriots. Yeah. Um, oh, God. I can't think of it, but I know, I know it. Yeah, well, his last name was Hernandez. Um, I told Asante, every time you go out on the field, you perform as if you're interviewing for Hernandez's job. And where that may have started out as a joke to him, that's exactly what happened. Because Belichick tr tried to, to get him the first time and didn't get him until the second year. So uh, I was impressed that Belichick was interested in Asante. I have a lot of respect for Belichick. Um, now, now, what about the call on Christmas Day and all of that? Oh, man, that's football. Um, well, worse than the call on Christmas Day is when he uh, was with the 49ers. Um, that he, you know, he, he caught the touchdown pass against Houston. He, knowing he's going to make the team, and then when they had that final cut, they they cut him, and then tell him to come back tomorrow, and we're going to sign you on the practice squad. He goes, he signs up with the practice squad, then he goes back to his hotel, and then he gets a phone call uh, to come back, and. Uh, when he goes back, they tell him, "Hey, listen, uh, we're going to we're going to cut you." Uh, 
So I made the team. I made the practice squad. Now we're cutting you from the practice squad. We're talking about 20 minutes. Right. Okay. And then now he calls me, and I said, well, son, you know the direction home. And uh, in that time, they called him back and said, no, we, we, we want you. So that was painful enough. The, um, the Christmas call uh, that seems to come up every year is, was really disheartening because uh, they're on their way to the Super Bowl. Right. And um, they won the Super Bowl, you know. And for at the last minute, uh, for him to uh, have to go to the Chargers and how it happened. And they had just played Denver uh, with the Patriots. And then that next week with the Chargers, he had to go back to Denver, and it was like below zero weather in play. Um, so that was, that was emotionally, I think, painful for him. But also, he also understood by then how quickly this game can change. Just just that um, uh, when he got released from the practice squad showed him and it helped him quickly grow up that uh, you, you just never know when they're going to pull the uh, pull the plug. Now, do you remember, or of course you do, but do you remember how you felt in your first pro huddle? Hmm. You know, probably not what one would think. Um, the running out on the field, the um, uh, to me, by for me at that point in time, it was more of a business than something that I'd always wished my life to end up and be. Um, I, I did hear what, the, what Asante felt about being in the huddle with Gronkowski and, mm -hmm. and uh, the fellas. Um, uh, I didn't necessarily have that kind. I will, okay, here's a better way to say it. I wasn't in awe. I was there and I was there to do my job and you realize this is a job. Uh, but right. now, you, now you realize that's exactly what your son said to me. I just to say I'm in the huddle with, with Brady and Gronk and wow. And, you know, I asked him how he felt after that first play and, you know, did they congratulate you? And he said, no, we're there to do a job. You go back to work. Yeah. This, yeah. This is the job. If you missed that, if you miss that block or if you let that guy get by you, you didn't do your job and there's nobody to pat, pat you on the back. And when you do, now you might get a pat on the back for a good quarterback sack, but uh, if you just did your job, you know, you, I can stay on the field longer. I did my job because the, uh, one of the things that professional ranks show you is that if you don't do your job, there's like three guys on the sideline waiting to do it for you. So you, you try and stay on your toes. Now, when he went into his first huddle, what did you feel? Did you feel pride, accomplishment, worry? I mean, what was going through your head first time you stepped? Well, well I was always, uh, I, I was proud of him. And as a matter of fact, uh, the morning of, um, 
his first NFL official game was with the Cardinals. And we got a call like early that morning, hey dad, I'm you know, I'm gonna travel with the team and I'm gonna I'm gonna play. And um we immediately got dressed, got tickets, uh, you know, got plane tickets and flew to Arizona so we could be there for his first uh, on the field. And I, I kept my Nikon with me, so I have his life in pictures. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I, w- I was proud that it, it, it had come to this and he would be able to have have proof that this is what he did and um, that one day his children will be in awe of daddy did this. I was impressed that he went through the end of a career and bounced back really quickly and doesn't see himself as, you know, that's what I was. And as if he missed something, something he did, and now he's moved on. And I just think it's exceptionally impressive for a man of you know, mid to late twenties. That's real wisdom. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. As you, I would as, agree with that. Yes, sir. As he gets toward the end of his career, you must have been able to directly relate to what he was going through and to help him through that. Um, what, what was that period like? Well, here's the statement. You never know when you're at the end of your career. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, Asante actually said something to you that I'd never heard him say before. Now, of course, I know what the truth is, but I'd never heard him say it out loud. And actually, I was glad he finally said it out loud. He told you about the knee injury he planted and he hurt his knee. But there's more to that story because the year before he got hit by a car, a hit and run accident uh, that also damaged his knee. Uh, Now, uh, he simply says, I made a cut and that's what happened. Well, I beg to differ. Uh, I think uh, he got hit at about 40 miles an hour. I actually have it on video. You have that on video? Yes, my wife refuses to watch it. Um, he gets hit by a car. Is there something in the area that we're on? Or excuse me, there were security cams in the area that we're running at the time. There was a, a camera at the end, a video camera at the end of the apartment he was living in, wow. and it it shows uh, straight forward, and it shows uh, you can barely see Asante, but you see his image step off the curb. And there's a car making a left turn, uh, a black um, uh, navigator. And the guy doesn't stop, and he's going about 40 miles an hour. And Asante had an nth of a second to make a decision. And his decision was a football decision. And that decision was, I can't let this thing hit me with my feet on the ground. So at the last nth of a second, he jumped into the vehicle or jumped into the side of the grill of the vehicle and it knocked him about 30 feet away. And the guy kept going. Somebody ran down and uh, uh, got the license plate number 
uh, Santi refused to get into the uh, a- ambulance, said he was fine. He was in fantastic shape. And uh, when uh, he called me 30 minutes later telling me what happened, and he said, Dad, I'm fine. I don't hurt anything. And what I said, son, that's the adrenaline talking. Let's mm-hmm. talk uh, a little later. So he didn't go to the doctor. I suggested that was a mistake, but make sure you tell the coaches tomorrow and the trainers. And when he uh, told the trainers, uh, they realized when he was in meetings, he couldn't concentrate. So they gave him the uh, concussion protocol and realized he had a concussion. Uh, but I believe that was also the start or um, helped along the problem that he may have had with his knee. I found and, it very interesting um, that both your husband, his father, and, his, and Asante both played basketball, and that was where their passion was. And then they both went on to play pro football. Yes, that's interesting because I, even though I watch football and I loved watching football. I didn't really feel that comfortable with Asante playing football because I didn't want him to get injured. It hurts. So as a mom, you know, I didn't want want to see him get injured. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I was kind of had mixed feelings there. I preferred basketball a little bit, but the moment there was a game, I think he played at Cordova High School. And he caught a pass that's tied in. The way he turned and ran in for the touchdown, the way he did it, I knew at that moment. It was that moment. He was a sophomore. It was that moment that I knew. I said, oh, my gosh, we have an NFL player. He was a sophomore in high school. It was the way. It was just so smooth. I, I, I go, oh, God, he's going to be a football player. Like, really? Oh, so, what am I going to do now? <laughs> so really, at that moment, you At knew. that moment, I knew. I said, oh, my God. It was so, It was just, for me, that was my, I mean, he had lots of great plays, but that one, I said, I knew it. I said, this is, that's just too good. Did you share <laughs> that? Did you share that with Alan or Asante? Or oh yeah, at that mm-hmm. moment, yes, that's what I knew. And when they start, you know, the colleges start recruiting him, especially Miami. So when Miami started recruiting, I mean, he had he had first he um, signed on with uh, Washington State, and then Miami saw his highlight reel. And they called, they contacted us. I mean, University of Miami, Miami I knew that was the tight end you because I follow football. So I'm like, mm. wow, Miami's interested in Asante. So when um, Miami, Washington State came to visit the same day to the house, the same day that uh, Miami uh, coaches came to visit. So we had brunch with Washington State. They left. They had no idea Miami was coming. And then we changed over for dinner for Miami. Just like and in the movies. Just like in the movies. <laughs> and when Miami the was blind side, was a, right? Coach Panunzio, kind of like a real cool guy, looks like he played in Miami Vice. Well, he <laughs> showed up. He shows up at but the he door. Had a, he had a bright T-shirt and a white and a white. Jacket. Yes, correct. Yeah, Panunzio. No, he did. And then. <laughs> yep, and then um, Alan had gone to get some some takeout barbecue, so he wasn't here. So 
Coach Panunzio comes into the house, and he's like, "So tell me about Asante. Tell me, tell me why, why, you know, why should we uh, choose Asante? You know, why should we choose your son?" And I said, "Because I can tell you right now." I said, "The moment I said it, I told him the same story. He was a sophomore. Mm-hmm. I saw this one play, and the way he caught the ball and turned, it was just too, it was smooth. And I watch football, so I said." I knew at that moment, this is the guy. He is going places in football. And, and I mean, I, I definitely always supported him in football, even though I was afraid of the injury. I never mentioned to him that I was afraid of him getting hurt. I mean, he probably knew that, but you're, you're, it was never mom. a conversation. I never put a roadblock up and said, hey, I really don't want you to play because you can get injured. I never spoke about him getting injured ever you know it was something that I dealt with internally and when coach Panunzio came in the house I said and I said not only that he's very smart so you're getting smart you're getting talent and you're getting humble that's what you're getting he's humble so you're getting those three things and those three things makes a great player and by the time Alan came back, we were laughing and sitting back, <laughs> talking. And and I was somewhat, I'm very protective of Sante. So as he was moving forward, you know, to go to the U, and um, I'm not a nag. I don't call my son every day. He has a lot of wiggle room, you know, a lot of, I give him a lot of rope. I never was kind of going, kind of you know, worried about him, you know, in college, every, you know, what he was doing or up to none of that type of monitoring. Cause I thought we raised him well enough for him to make smart decisions. So he had a lot of freedom. We gave him a lot of freedom. He's in Miami. My friends would say, aren't you worried? He's in Miami, all of the women. I'm like, no, I'm not worried about that. <laughs> That's a burden. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm not worried about that. I said, I, Alan would have me mailing condoms to Miami. He would say, hey, you need to mail these to Asante. I would go to the UPS store and mail condoms. <laughs> okay, now that's the story I hadn't heard from anybody. <laughs> yes, tell I me was about mailing that. condoms to the youth. I mean, it, you know, it was never. Because they don't sell them happened. in Miami. I don't know if they sold them, but he was like, we got to make sure he always has condoms. So I was like, okay, I'll mail okay, now, wait, wait, wait. to Asante. I, I, I just need to think about that for a second. Getting a care package from my mom, <laughs> not even from my dad, from my mom. I, I have to ask. There would be other that. things in there. It would never just be condoms. It yeah, but we know what the point was. <laughs> <laughs> the other stuff but, was just you know, fluff. Yeah, me and Asante never talked about it. It was just something <laughs> that you know, Alan was sending the condoms, and I was just taking direction, like. Uh-huh. Send them the condoms, but I never. That yeah, was was, was it your handwriting roles. on the label? Yes, we have okay, our so roles, he, right? Alan if it was, if it was your one. handwriting on the label, he knew who it was from. Right, correct. He know. <laughs> I, I mean, Alan was the one who dealt with the him and the girls. He would call his dad. I never. He never called me about the you know girls and, and things like that. He knew I was an adult about it, though. I never got but, involved. But, by the way, he never... if he had gone, if he'd gone to Iowa State or New Mexico State, there are girls there too. Doesn't matter. If yeah, it's Miami. correct. So I wasn't overly paranoid about it. 
Um, so people always kind of go, oh, I'm like, I'm not worried about it. He's a guy, you know, he's in college. Dude. Gosh, it's just amazing, I would have to say, to have a son that is just so, you know, respectful and humble. And, you know, not everybody can say that. So in, you know, raising Asante, I've never had issues with disrespect. I mean, a kid, you know, when they're young and growing up could be a kid, you know, all the things kids do, but always respectful. And that's what people say to me, you know, your son is just so, you know, mature and respectful and you know, we just love them to death. And I go, I do too. <laughs> I love them to death. So uh, just very, you know, I mean, in terms of parenting, um, I feel like I, I put everything in, you know, I put everything into parenting. And I think that when you're raising a, a son or, or a daughter or children, that that's what it takes. It takes every person in the household to 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 bring that person along on a on a successful path and i pretty much would probably sacrifice anything to make sure he stays on a successful path i wouldn't give him in everything so some people just give their kids everything you know hand over you know whatever they need the easy way um but i would sacrifice anything to support him to make sure that he uh has um an understanding of 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 what options he has out there for himself and make sure that he has uh some some positive reinforcement you know and that he knows what how talented he is you know, that he really understands that I believe he is an extremely talented individual with a lot of opportunity and options and that I'm kind of enjoying the journey with him, along with him. And I know there's challenges, but I just, you know, I feel that way about him. You know, I feel like I want him to know I'm always going to be there through the bumps Um do the smooth times to the great moments and that's how I've been with him you know the sacrifices we made has been you know enjoyable that it didn't feel like you know I have to do this I have to go to a game I have to fly to Miami it was more like we couldn't wait to fly to Miami we went to Miami about eight times a year we probably attended about eight six to eight games a season for four years mm. on the East Coast, and I have a big job. So to be able to do that uh, just says a lot about our commitment and yes. our support level. Um, I pushed him academically. I was the person that pushed the academics. Um, I remember a moment where I dropped him off. I think he was in the 10th grade in high school, and his grades had started to slip a little. And so as I'm dropping him off at Christian Brothers, I opened the door and I looked at him and I said, you have, if you, if you got to get this done, you got to, you got to take care of business. I said, I can, I can tell you the benefits you're going to receive if you do this right. The benefits that you're going to receive is, you know, the opportunities you're going to get. This is it's really important 
for you to focus. You know, that's the kind of per I was always like motivational. Not yeah. you did this wrong and I'm I'm upset with you, you didn't get an A, but very motivational around his education. He was already he's the smartest kid, you know. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. So, so how, very smart, yeah, yeah. you know. His dad had him citing points. So you had the, the academic foundation. How'd you feel about sports? Was it was it a plus or ne a plus or minus? Or <laughs> did you well you know what I'm yeah. I'll just leave yeah. it there for a minute. <laughs> Let's see well, where this goes. I, I love sports. I love sports. So that's in his favor. You know, I, I'm definitely yeah, there's a butt coming. Yes, I definitely pushed on the academic side. But I love sports. I was born into a, I call it the Raiders family because my dad's a Raider fan. My brother's a Raider fan. My sister, they're at the games. They're in their, you know, in college, we gave them a lot of rope. Um, we kind of set the structure before that. So um, in the household, you know, we made sure that, you know, he understood that every, nothing is free um, and that he has to work hard. And he didn't get his driver's license in a, in a car until he was uh, senior year, like, I don't know, midway through <laughs> the senior year. Because Alan said, until you notice that the garbage can needs to be emptied and show that level of responsibility, you can't drive a car. We went back and forth to the games. Um, we flew out on Friday night um, after I got off from work. Wow. And we came back on Sunday. And I was back at work at eight. So I left work and I never told anyone that he was at the U because I didn't want to have people at work. I didn't really want to talk. I'm very 100% business on my job. So I didn't really want a distraction around, oh, he was playing. I saw him play. And, you know, right. so I never mentioned it. Plus, I didn't want anyone on the job to think that I wasn't focused because I was going all the way to Miami and back, which I did very frequently. Yeah, I, I know. I, I don't want them to say, well, she's not, something's not happening because she's always at the game. Right? You know, right. it's weird. It may not have anything to do with that, but if they know that, it's they like, oh, excuse. you're so busy. Yeah, going to the games, you, you weren't able to get this done. It may not have anything to do with it. So I kept it to myself, but on a Friday at 5 p.m., I would walk off the job. My bags were packed. Wow. Alan and I would go to the San Francisco airport we would fly out on a midnight flight. We would get into Miami like five or six well. in the morning. And then we would have breakfast. We would go to a 9 a.m. game or a 1 p.m. game. We would have dinner with Asante. That was it. We let him have his college life. So while we were visiting, he had homework. He still had responsibilities. Right. So we would have one dinner with him. And that's the last we saw of him. We saw him at the game. We had dinner. And then after he was ready to leave right after dinner, whatever he had planned or to do. And then on Sunday morning, 9 a.m. flight, we were back on the plane. Yeah. And we did yeah. that over that, and over again. That's commitment. See, and I, I know I lived in the Bay Area for a dozen years and I flew in and out of San Francisco. I'd leave Sunday evening and I'd come back Thursday night. And I know, you know, that's a two runway airport. And I can imagine <laughs> how many flights you had delayed or fog or this and that. And that became a very long weekend. Yes, because he had, at first he had accepted um, a scholarship with Washington State. And um, that was closer. 
And when Miami offers them a job or, you know, a position for the youth. Job. <laughs> yes, it is a job. Then we didn't want to say, well, now that you're going to be further away, you know, and you make this decision, the decision will will distance us. Right. And, yeah, we won't be able to go to very many games. We kept the same level. We attended the same level of games as if he had, you know, taken the scholarship at Washington State. We we went to almost every home game. And then we went to the Ohio State game, and the, you know, which he, you know, spoke of in the interview you had with him. And we went to the Kansas game. And so those were actually shorter trips. We are like, oh, we don't have to go all the way to the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we supported him in that way. You know, every game, you know, um, I don't know if you saw the picture of me hanging over the wall. No. On his Instagram. So this is this picture where I'm at the game. And it was a tough time for him during that time. It was a tough, you know, he wasn't getting to play as much. And the coaching had changed from Randy Shannon to Golden. And it was a tough moment. He was he came, he had a coach that really supported him, put him out there. He was really good. New coach comes in and kind of pushes him back a little. Um, and so I was there. I didn't care whether he played or not. When we flew to the games, we were there for him. We were there as a family unit and support regardless. And I was sitting up, I don't know how many rows up, probably at least 30 to 40 rows up in the first tier. And at the end of the game, and I knew he was going through things. And at the end of the game, I ran down every stair. I had to move people out of the way. I ran <laughs> down every stair, pushing, getting through the crowd. There was a lot of crowd. And I think they had one because everyone was hanging over the wall. And I got, I was trying to get to him so I can just like say, hey, before he went into the locker room. And I got down to the wall and I, I saw him and the wall was just so high. So I kind of like put, thrust my body over the wall and reached down as far as I could to just try to touch his hand. And mm-hmm. there was a, um, a photographer on the field who caught, captured the photo. Wow. Of me I'd hanging over the wall and Asante looking up at me. It's the best photo. It's just, and I'm just reaching for him. And if you look at that photo, that says it all. It shows what he thinks of me and it shows how, what I feel for him. It shows in that photo. Like, there's uh, nothing I wouldn't. Oh, I see it. I see it. I see it. You're wearing orange. Yes. <laughs> all right. So. All right, I'm going to share this photo later so that everyone else sees it. Yes, yeah, so that's the photo, the photo. And so, um, but um, I, I supported him in football. I sat on the edge of my seat, and I, I always, I was always nervous. Well, if I may, let me just ask you one or two more questions as we conclude. And I thank you for being so generous with your time. And I've enjoyed talking to you. But I really want to know, what did it feel like when, when you found out he was going to the NFL? So we were in Miami for his graduation with the family, you know, my family, Alan's family. Right. And, you know, as the, you know, they're calling the draft numbers in the fourth or fifth round, sixth round, and then seventh, and he didn't get selected. Um, 
we were waiting to see if he would go undrafted, like get signed as an undrafted drafted free mm-hmm. agent. Or, mm-hmm. And we were all having dinner at a restaurant. And it was my birthday weekend. So I was born on Mother's Day. And um, so that it was my birthday weekend. It was the draft was going on. Asante had just graduated. So it was a happy moment. But he was like checking his phone and waiting Uh to see what's next. Right. He's like very like distracted at this dinner. And he the phone rings. He gets up. He walks outside the restaurant. And we're all like, okay. We knew he hadn't gotten drafted because they had already selected, you know, all of those that were going to get drafted. So, uh, but we were, nobody wanted to bring it up. You know what I mean? Like, we were celebrating Mother's Day, birthday, weekend, graduation. Nobody wanted to bring up, like, chaos on the, or talk about the draft. You know, it didn't happen. So, let's just, like, we don't want to bring it up. It's a sensitive subject. We don't want to bring it up to him. Cause, so, you, you know, ignore him. Yeah, we knew he wanted to, you know, go to the NFL at that point. Right. Um, but honestly, I never thought Asante wanted to be an NFL player even in high school. He didn't like football a whole lot to me. Like, he, he was good at it. He liked basketball better, and he kind of fell into football. So it wasn't like mm-hmm. this lifelong dream like a kid has to be an NFL player. They've been playing football their whole life. Or he wasn't in high school saying, I'm going to go to the NFL. You know, he was a great student in high school, and he played football, and he was good at it, and it was going to take him to college. But I never heard him saying around the house he wanted to go to the NFL. Never in high school. He never told me I want to go to the NFL. His dad never tried to get him to go to the NFL or tried to push football on him, ever. We never really talked about the NFL. Even when he was being recruited to college, it was about him getting a scholarship. It was never to get him to the next level. So it wasn't really a discussion. Although when he put his name in you know, for the draft and everything, he was like, oh, well, I'm hoping that, you know, he wanted it. It was something he wanted at that point in time. So when he stepped outside of the restaurant, he came back in. He looked at us and he says, I was going to sign with the Niners. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody like, yay, like, Bring up the drinks, right? Like, yes, this is going to be the best day now. We already were having a good time, but in the smile, like his now the smile, now the elephant like, has walked out of the room. Yes, he says I'm signing with the Niners. We were just like, yes, and that was California as well, right? We were all there from California, right. and we're just like, wow, he's coming home. Oh, and I'm just like, oh, hugging him and. Like, you know, I was okay with it. I I never didn't want him to have his dream. Um, I never spoke. We never focused on the NFL as a family. We never made it a a goal. It was never something Mm -hmm. we talked about. And when it happened and he was happy, it was he. He was happy. It made everybody at the dinner happy. We were all just happy. And then people were calling him and he was on the phone and texting and everything. It was just super exciting. I mean, I never imagined I would be an NFL mom. I never imagined it. Other than the high school, I'm like, oh, he's good enough. You know what I mean? (laughs) He's good enough to go to the NFL. I saw it. But then when it happened, it was like, wow, he's really going to go to the NFL. Like, it was, you know, it was like, he's really going to go to the NFL. We never really talked about it. 
so now now what do you remember? Do you remember his first game or what what's the NFL game, the high point that stands out to you? I mean, Levi Stadium, it was a new stadium. Yeah. I mean, going in, um, I just never thought, I mean, as an NFL mom, it's just it was just so beyond my imagination, really. Um, but you drive in and the dogs are sniffing underneath the cars. We're going in the stadium. We park in a spot that says Cleveland number 45. How cool is that? pull up in the spot, you know, and we get out, and then there's Kaepernick's car, you know? Right, (laughs) right. An unbelievable moment. Like, is this real? Pinch myself. Um, We walk in to a special area, you know, we have our passes to go anywhere we want in the stadium. You know, we go into the family room where we can wait until the game starts and watch television and all of the players' families are in there. And you're going, hey, I'm sitting in here with, you know, <laughs> in a, you know what I mean? Like, the, I'm sitting in here. And, no, I, I, I don't quite, but yes. Yeah. Yes, and it's nothing I was like, you know, some parents have. They've been, their hope in life was for right, their son to go to the NFL. That was never Allen and I. Yeah, and so that moment, just, you know, having that honor and, and knowing that Asante did this. He worked hard, and look what he has allowed us to be able to do. And sitting there in the stadium, um, watching him play, um, gosh, that, I mean, that's the moment. I mean, that's the feeling that he did this, you know, and just so you know, me being a finance person, I managed his money while he was in the NFL. Mm. And to the T, like, took care of you, yeah. yes, like, you're not going to give 40 tickets. No agent, no nothing. Yeah. No, yeah, he had an agent, but no, not I mean, on the but finance you, but side. You ran, yes, but you ran correct. the books. Yes. And no, you're not going to have 40 friends at the games because you only get two free tickets. People don't know that. The rest you right. pay regular price for. So any of uh, I would he would give a few away, but most of the time we collected, we sold the tickets like to our family. Like you have to reimburse us. This is not a free twenty to thirty right. people per game. If you want to go to the game, it's a couple of hundred bucks. We can get you a great seat, but it's a couple of hundred bucks. And I would manage right. collecting and put it in his bank account because I knew. NFL, it stands for not for long. That's what people say, NFL, not for long. So I didn't want him to get caught up and then, you know, wasting the money, like with having people come to the games when he didn't get drafted at the top, you know. So I didn't want him to just start spending it frivolously. And then after the game, he's not going to take everyone to dinner and start, you know, spending in that way. So if you want to go to the game, you're responsible for your meal, your ticket, um, I ran that for him so he didn't have to say anything. I didn't. He didn't have to confront anybody about it. I took care of it. You go into the game, you got to talk to me. <laughs> right. right. But so um, you, you, you dropped the hammer. I got it. Yes, I kept him. You know, level-headed. You know, with the money side of the the house um, while he was playing in the NFL. Um, but it was it was a great moment. I mean, if you look at the the touchdown he got in preseason. That was exciting. Um, his 49er touchdown in preseason. That was super exciting. 
um, blocking tight end, you know, his time with the Patriots. I love that environment when we flew down to go to the yeah, game. T- t- tell me about tell me about that, please. Because he, I'll tell you, he speaks. And I'm, you heard, uh, you know, he speaks of the Patriots organization as being, you know, the. It's like going to Goldman Sachs, right? They're they're just they're the best. They run their business the best. Now, it's they, hard they for me to the really... most. Mm-hmm. They expect the most, and if you perform, you get more responsibility. And if you don't, you're out. Versus, and I, I think it was. That. I'm sorry. Versus, I think it was the Chargers he was speaking of, where he mm-hmm. told the story of in practice. You know, he, he he ran down the field and then turned around and realized that he was the only one who'd run. And he's and he says he then went out and realized he was with the losing with, with a bad team and went and checked mm-hmm. the record and they were two and nine or whatever it was. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so he speaks very highly of the Patriots organization. And so anyway, just so what was it like for you and what do you think? So we went to a game. Um, obviously, it was very cold. So we went from a California weather to I'd never been so cold at a football game in my life. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, literally, like, layered and still, like, can't believe I'm sitting in the stadium for four hours in that kind of yeah, weather. Not quite Green Bay, but cold. That's correct. It was cold. <laughs> <laughs> so I, that probably would be my first statement about uh you know, him playing for the Patriots. But I will say that um, he was happiest when he played for the Patriots. Um, He became practice player of the week four or five times when he played for the Patriots. And that, to me, is huge. Like, big. You're playing for Bill Belichick, and you're practice player of the week five times in a row. Like, that just said a lot. I thought he had his greatest opportunity to play, really get playing time for the Patriots. And he did get playing time, but I think they respected what he brought to the table. Um, I really loved how he felt about being on that team. And, you know, being a Raiders fan, I know the Patriots mean business. (laughs) (laughs) So even though uh, everybody used to ask me that, how could a Raider fan become a 49er fan? Well, as soon as Asante became a 49er, wow. I put on the I, – I changed over to a 40 – I was a 49er fan. There's right. no way I'm going to have a son playing for the Niners and I'm wearing Raiders gear. So I immediately converted, been a Raiders fan my whole life, but I converted to a 49er and I converted to a Patriot. As soon as he became a Patriot, I was all in. And I was excited about the organization. I respected how they played uh, uh, football. And I thought Bill Belichick respected Asante the most. Other than Randy Shannon in college, then Bill Belichick. I think he was willing to give Asante that. I think if that opportunity had to continue, I think we would have saw a lot of great things. And I tell him it's not a negative, it's a positive. It's a positive that a football organization like the Patriots respected you and your talent to that level to either bring back for another opportunity when they made the mistake to let them go in the first place. And I think they realized that and they called him back. Although due to the knee injury, he couldn't, you know, rejoin. But it's a positive way to me. And he probably looks at it as a not-so-positive way. He went through a lot emotionally when he didn't um, get that opportunity. But the fact that that opportunity existed for him 
you know, to bring him back and say, we want you back. And they were a, te- uh, a, a Super Bowl-level team. That means a lot. Like, that makes me proud. That makes me proud. I think he should use that on his resume <laughs> and keep going. You know, a positive, uh, you know. Right. I played for them. They respected me. And I was given that opportunity again. Because somebody doesn't have to give you the opportunity again. They could say, hey, we yeah. dealt with him. But they flew him back out there. And that's not, there's nothing but positive that comes to that. It shows respects that he was smart, talented, and humble, which is the three things I always say about him when people ask. And um, I, I really I really respect uh, Bill, Bill Belichick and the organization. You know? Phone's breaking up just a little bit. Okay. Can you hear me now? I think I got you back now. Okay. But just the respect that, that, you know, just that organization. Everybody has to, you know, I mean, some people hate the Patriots just because they win all the time, or they say they cheated with the whole Tom Brady incident with the you know, Flake Gate or whatever yeah. they call it. But I really thought Asante, you know, felt at home there and felt, even though it was the hardest organization to work for, you know, like he had to really, and he's always, put, you know, gave everything 100% in football. But I think they he knew that they respected his talent, right? So I think that that, yeah. that matters a lot. 